You're probably going to follow it on the, the screen, but in case you want to follow in your Bibles, it's on page 1096. And it's Acts chapter 4, beginning at the 23rd verse. The believers pray. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, in a minute, um, can you come up here and do it? Chris, are you there? Sorry, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm a bit loud, sorry. <laughs> so, 
uh, yeah, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the, the men gave a loud shout, the ward collapsed, so everyone charged straight in and took the city. The shofar, which is the trumpet here that we've heard this morning, is blown when something dramatic or significant is going to happen. And when Joshua was marching around the walls of Jericho, the shofar was blown and the walls of Jericho fell down and a breakthrough was unlocked and the Lord gave the Israelites the city of Jericho. No battering ram, no explosive, just obedience to the Lord who told them each who had told them each day to march around the walls blowing the trumpet and carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Then on the last day, they marched seven times around the city and at the sound of the trumpet, the walls fell down. In the Bible, these trumpets are blown to announce significant things that are going to happen. Today, I wanted these trumpets to be blown because I've been praying a significant thing will happen in in St. Paul's Church starting today to on a journey of deeper prayer. We are in a battle, though, because actually uh, Satan does not like prayer. Because it means communication with God. And, but a few weeks ago, Tom asked me to speak on prayer, knowing that I go to some of the dark places in the world. And I, we see in Flame International, the Lord transform lives. And Tom said, evangelism in the United Kingdom is just as hard as what you face on mission. And I realized that was right. You know... W- it, it, it is, we're in such a, spiritual, uh, such a spiritual battle and we are fighting a war. And we have to, in St. Paul's, if we want to meet our front line, if we want to see people come into the kingdom of God, we've got to be praying. And we've got to engage with the spiritual battle. Um, and, you know, last week... Um, Tom said, let's get out of our seats um, and ask the Lord to give us the desire to go. And, you know, I had to get up out of my seat and say, and I go around the world into places that other people don't go. Pakistan, South Sudan, Rwanda, Burundi. I go, but I, and I have a desire to go. But shall I be honest? I don't have a particular desire for my next door neighbours. And, and you know, I needed it and I was, I was pacing around the back and I came because I want that d- desire. And as I engaged with the Holy Spirit last week, uh, the, the desire is growing for me to go and meet the people that I, that I engage with um, on a, not necessarily a daily basis, but regularly. And I do think evangelism is harder in this country. Because why? Because we are hitting against unbelief, passivity, humanism, unforgiveness, worship of idols, double-mindedness, lukewarm attitudes, new age practices such as spiritualism, homeopathy, reiki and other remedies, many of which use the spirit world for alleged healing but not the Holy Spirit. And I believe we have to do groundbreaking 
prayer to see breakthrough into people's lives. And prayer is the first of the three of our three areas in Saint, in the Saint Paul's uh, vision. It is prayer, connect, and grow. And we have to do the prayer in order to have meaningful connections and to grow. And some of us have lost, and I include myself in this, have lost a sense of urgency about our family, our friends, our neighbours, those at work. We've lost that sense of urgency. And, you know, I, want, I just felt we have to remind ourselves, um, you know, that we are all in unique relationships. All of us are, and there may be nobody else that touches that not yet believer with, with the gospel, other other than us. Um, And I don't know about you, but I want my family, who I don't see because it's a wider family. I don't have close family, but a wider family. I don't want, I want them to be in heaven with me. And I've started last year, I started to pray for them um, every day in order, and I, I enter a battle in order to do it. How many of you today, can I just ask this question? How many of you today think you pray enough? Yeah, I, I would. I, I hoped that was the. I, well, I didn't hope that was the answer actually, but but I, I suspected that was the answer because the majority of us um, do not believe that we pray enough. We cannot talk to Jesus, the Lord Jesus enough. You know, I I read a book about Smith Wigglesworth recently, and apparently during his waking hours, he spoke to the Lord every half hour. You know, I've tried to do that. I've said, Lord, I want to speak to the Lord every half hour. Can I tell you, I fail after the first 60 minutes. You know, it's really hard to keep, to, to, but what we need is his presence with us. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be bold. And this passage of scripture in Acts 4 that was read to us is one that I use regularly when I'm on mission. And, you know, it changes our perspective. In this passage, but the bit before, Peter and John had been before the Sahedrin because they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they had healed a lame man um, in, the name, in the name of Jesus. And it says... Uh, in verse 8 it said Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit Uh, and then and he spoke boldly about Jesus of Nazareth and how salvation is found in no one else he had courage knowing that his life was at stake he pleased the Lord and he didn't worry about pleasing man. And you know, in our British culture, how many of us do not want to confront? We want to be comfortable. We want to stay in our comfort zones. If we want to see Camberley transformed for Jesus, I have to say, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. I've got to take risks for Jesus to be bold and courageous. And you could say, it's okay for you, Jan Ransom. You were in the army. You go to these places. Let me tell you, when I invited my gardener to the carol service in December, I felt, I didn't feel very courageous. I went wobbly at the knees before I saw him at half past eight in the morning because he was coming to do my garden. But he and his wife came and I'd been praying for him for months and it gave me such encouragement that my prayers were being answered. And actually I didn't have courage. But, but you know, Jesus has that man on his heart more than I do. 
and wants him to come to know the Lord. He's a retired lieutenant colonel in the army, and and I want to see him come into the kingdom. And in verse 24 of Acts 4, it says, When the believers heard what had happened, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Can I just read that again? They, they raise their voices together in prayer in God. And I don't want you to be fearful, but we might have a go at that later. And, uh, but, and he said, Sovereign Lord, and then spoke out in complete... In complete, they spoke out in complete reliance on God. You know, this isn't frightfully British, but uh, a way of doing it. But it's one model, and I want. And if we want to see transformation, it's worth trying every model of prayer that we can. Um, and so, you know, and maybe we should try it in our life groups. Can I have the next slide, David? Yeah, prayer doesn't get man's will done. In heaven, it gets God's will done on earth. And we're called to pray that God's will will be done and his kingdom come here on, here on earth as it is in heaven. How many of our prayers are slanted towards our will? Um, you know, and, and what we've got to do is be praying in God, stay close to Jesus and stay uh, and pray in his will. You know, I'm going to tell you a story which is against myself, but I was in the army and, it was, uh, and I, I was tempted in a certain way. Um, and um, I found, if I'm going, to, I'm going to be really vulnerable now, I found um, a man who, uh, uh, very attractive. And I had to, and I would go home every night because I knew it wasn't appropriate. And I went, Lord, your will, not my will. Your will, not my will. Lord, your will. I did that for several days. I had to battle against my own pain, my own temptations. And you know... Thank God the battle was won, because I wouldn't be standing here tonight, if, today, it's not tonight, but anyway, um, I wouldn't be sat, standing here today if that battle hadn't been won. But we've got to pray in the Lord's will. And we're called to deal with things that might stop our prayers being answered. Um, and this includes those things I read out before, but unbelief, unforgiveness, wrong behavior in marital relationships, wrong motives, double-mindedness, lukewarmness, idol worship, looking at pornography. You know, this is not what jo- we are t- called to be obedient to, uh, to, to the word. And it says in 1 John 3, 21, dear friends, if your hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive him Um, anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. We are called to check the motives of our heart. Are we prepared to be God's answers to our own prayers? I'll speak a bit about that in a minute, slightly later. But are we prepared? Tozer summed it up well when he wrote, God has placed himself under no obligation to honor the requests of the worldly, carnal, or disobedient Christians. He hears and answers the prayers, those who walk in his way. He said that when we go to God with a request, there are two conditions. We pray in the will of God and we must be living lives pleasing to God. Can I tell you I've been challenged as I've wrote this sermon because I've got to make sure that I'm praying in the will of God and I keep my hands clean. I'm a sinner, I know that, but, it's, uh, but I go to Jesus daily to repent of that. 
You know, the early church knew the power of prayer. They prayed in the church, in houses, on rooftops, on the shore. They prayed for brothers and sisters in trouble, they, that, that God may open a door for their nation, for their ministry, for spiritual growth in believers and for each other. They were bold and they got the results that we long to see in this country. And, you know, I don't, think there's, I don't think it's been harder to preach the gospel than it is now. And we must be praying constantly and all the time in all sorts of odd places in Jesus' name. And um, I want to talk to you about a couple of tools to help us to pray. And one of those is fasting. A diet changes the way we look. A fast changes the way we see. You know, after Jesus was baptized, he went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. And this is what he did to prepare for a three-year ministry. He went for 40 days into the wilderness to fast. And then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and they will fast. Um, You know, it says... It says there is, so this, there is an expectation that his disciples, I don't know about you, that's me and you, we will fast. You know, this is obedience to the word of God. This is tough teaching. And I'm going to tell you a story and I wanted to do it anonymously, but I can't because it's my story. And I'm called to fast and, and I don't fast all the time, but, um, uh, but I do fast. And one of the things, it unlocks the power of prayer. And that's why I want to share this with you. I started with one meal, uh, one meal a week. I then, I then got up to, uh, I, would pr- I would fast for a day. And then I would fast for two days. This was while I was serving in the army. And then... Um, I, I then I knew, and then I fasted for five days. I wouldn't have been able to do much more when I was in the army, but I fasted for five days. I left the army, and I knew I was going to start Flame International. And I felt the Lord say to me, "Fast for forty days." You know, I, as it happened, I'd read a book five years earlier, who by a guy who had fasted for 40 days, something like 39 times. And I'd been praying, Lord, when I leave the army, will you help me to fast? And I'd been left about two months, and I heard him say, start your fast. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. The first 20 days were quite good. I quite enjoyed the first 20 days. The last 20 days, the, uh, uh, Satan just tempted me one way and another, every way. It wasn't easy. But do you know... I I know that something broke in the heavenly realms. The enemy was bound and I was hearing Jesus' voice so much more clearly. I was able to pray and I knew that my obedience, my humble... Listen, I had to humble myself before the Lord when I'm doing... I'm on about day 35 and I'm thinking, Lord, I can't go on with this and I'm not... and, And so... but. 
as I humbled myself, he equipped me to do it. But let me tell you, I'm not saying that to you, and I'm not expecting that of you. All I'm saying is, would you give up coffee for Lent? Would you, give, would you perhaps take a, a meal off for, during Lent to perhaps pray for your front line? Pray for whatever the Lord tells you. And so um, I just... So, All I would say is it changes the spiritual perspective that you have. It changes how you see when you fast. And if there are people, I don't know about you, but I've got family members who are humanists. And it's taking, they're they're not interested in the gospel. Can I just tell you? But I'm praying and I'm fasting for them because I know that Jesus is is going to unlock his power in their lives. You know, some people need to fast from Facebook. Some people, you you know, social media. It doesn't have to be food. Some people say, Jan, but I'm on medication. I've had a lot of these conversations. I said, darling, it's all right if you're on medication. Just stop drinking caffeine or stop alcohol or something so that you are saying to Jesus, I'm being serious and I'm humbling myself before you. And I believe the Lord wants us to do this as a, as a church. It's a powerful tool, and I believe it's going to unlock the connections and the growth in this church. And secondly, the, um, the, the second tool is binding and loosing. Is that the Matthew verse? Yeah. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for... I will be with them in heaven, for, their, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. This is, this is a key to breaking down blockages which tie people up. What do I mean? The enemy, the devil, wants to cause us to be bound and not walk in freedom. So when I'm away on mission, I am daily praying in the name of Jesus for the enemy to be bound and for the Holy Spirit to be loosed into the area that we're ministering into. And we are often confronted with witchcraft and opposition of every sort. And I'm constantly in a battle. But, you know... But I use the tools of the word of God that the Lord has given me. And I want to unlock what is going on in people's lives. Let me give you two examples. One is I had a friend. She, her husband was a Christian. And um, he was really fearful. And it was limiting because he's fearful. He's bound. She couldn't go and do the things she wanted to do because he was too fearful to go and do them. And so... I said, Christine, will you, and it's nobody in this church, can I just say that? Um, Christine, will you bind the spirit of fear? Will you bind fear in that man? And she did. And she also bound unbelief. And as she bound it, she came a few weeks later, she said, Jan, it's working. She said, but when when I forget to do it each morning... She said, he goes back into fear. So what we're doing is binding the enemy in them in order that the Holy Spirit can be loosed into them so that they can walk in freedom. And then I had a school teacher friend, Sue. Again, she's not in this church. She said, she'd been a teacher for about 30 years. She said, this class of five-year-olds is just impossible. She said, I've got two children who are, uh, two children who are, Um, really 
disturbed. And I said, ask Jesus, what is it that's disturbing them? And she came up with something like abuse, um, something like um, anger. And obviously there was pain in these little ones. So I said, right, what I suggest you do, Sue, is on the way to work every morning, you bind up um, anger, you bind up abuse, you bind it in the name of Jesus, and we loose and ask the Lord to loose the Holy Spirit into them. She said that within a week, that, that children, the children, the class had gone into, were really peaceful. And you see, and, and she said she's, she continued to do it. And by the end of the year, she asked me, we were talking about in November, by June or July, she said those two children were completely changed because she had entered the battle on their behalf. You see, what I'm talking about works. And, you know, in my, in my prayers, in the mornings, when I'm praying for my family, I'm binding up humanism in the name of Jesus and I loose, and I loose the Holy Spirit because I want my family to come to know Jesus. That's what I want more than anything else. Um, and then an, another guy, um, Michael, he, he had a twin brother and who has never spoken to him for I don't know how many years, but many years, hadn't spoken to him, would blank him at parties. On Thursday this week, he said, well, John, you'll never believe my brother, John, has phoned me and we've had a conversation. And, you know, this is an 80-year-old guy who doesn't really engage with what, what I do, but he did it. He said, I'm telling everybody about this principle of binding and loosing. And what I want to challenge you is that this could unblock the power in the lives of those that people don't know that, that you you know that don't that don't know him, but also in Christians. And I believe it's key to breaking down the barriers. Now as I finish, I'm sorry if I've gone on too long, Tom. Um, as I finish in St. Paul's, we want to um, we, we want to facilitate the vision with prayer. That's what we want to do. And we, there are a number of things. Tom's already talked about the 3rd of February, which is important. But we also want to unlock prayer. And on the se- Friday, the 2nd of March, we will be running a half night of prayer in here, just around the front here. We will be praying for children's ministry, for the youth, for young adults. We're hopefully praying for the seniors' ministry. We will pray for neighbours. We will pray for the prodigals. Those, for those of you who've got children or, who, or, or, or family members, anybody that you know that's gone away from the Lord and we need to be calling them back, we will be doing that on the 2nd of March. On Friday, it will start at 6.30. We'll finish at midnight. Tom will finish off on the last hour, bless him, for old ladies like me don't stay till midnight and um, but so um but they but he will do what's what's next and actually we don't have to come for the whole night we'll publish the program but it would be great if you did come because i believe the lord wants to hear our prayers and i think he wants to answer them um i'm also we also in the vision statement, it said about prayer triplets. I think we should be getting, and I, I know this is um, accepted in the leadership, we should be starting to get into triplets to pray for our front line. It would increase our prayer for our front line. It would 
it would make us accountable when we say, oh, I'm going to knock on my neighbor's door. And if you've got somebody you say that to and you're accountable, it always makes it you know, more compelling to do it. So, uh, so, there, so I believe we, in the life groups. Why don't you talk about it in your life groups this week to actually think about getting into prayer trips? I know there's at least one prayer trip that, that's been going for many years. And um, I know they would be advocates of this. We've also got two connect meetings on Sunday evenings which will come up. Can I just say that I believe the Lord wants to, to break into our prayer lives in order that we engage with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in order that we can unblock things which are stopping things going on here today and, and in the future. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall I pray? Are you going to... Yeah. Father, I, I do pray that... I just pray for... I just pray that, that what I've said this morning, what was not of you, then just... Lord, just delete it. Lord, I just pray that was of you. Would you just give us vision as to how we can pray? And we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come, that we would be bold and courageous in order for the in order for evangelism, for this church to connect and for the for the church to grow. Not with lots of Christians from outside, but new Christians. And we're praying that our prayers would facilitate your will in this in this church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.